Hi folks, welcome to another edition of Gold Bazan. Today we'll be interviewing Yulei Hesse, one of Germany's finest journalists that right now currently works for Eleven Front, which is Germany's biggest monthly magazine about football. Uh, Yulei spoke to us about, you know, a lot of our players in the past that used to play in the Bundesliga, about how he saw them, if they were an accomplishment. There's always a debate if some of our players were a success or they weren't. He spoke about, you know, how Asian players such as Japanese players and Korean players have been excelling. In the Bundesliga, um, how come is it that these players always tend to move to Germany as opposed to staying in the J-League or K-League? He spoke to us also about you know his work with Reza Fazili, which is a very well-known Asian, not just within Iran, but outside of Iran as well, in the world football. And um, that was a really great insight to, to hear about him working with him. And another big news is that we officially have our website up, goldbazampodcast.com. Definitely check it out if you haven't done so. Um, you could, for any writers that are interested in writing for our website, feel free. A great friend of ours, Ehsan, did a brilliant job on the website. Um, cheers to him for everything that he's done. And um, definitely check it out. And if there's any comments or anything that you would like, you can send us a message. The e- Our emails are all on the website. And if you want to send an email generally to Goldbazan, it's mail at goldbazan.com. Either way, we hope you enjoyed this interview that we had with Yuli. Hi folks, right now I'm joined by Yuli. Yuli, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on Golvazan and um, I hope you, ha- you had a fantastic day today thus far. Hello, yeah, well it's my pleasure. When my team won, as you may know, my team is Borussia Dortmund <laughs> and uh, it was a very lucky win today, but sometimes, you know, sometimes those victories are the sweetest. Even what's more interesting about that is Shinji Kagawa just surpassed as the most Japanese player that has ever scored in the Bundesliga, 38 goals, and you know he surpassed even Shinji Okazaki, which is brilliant, because um, we're just going to talk about Asian football right now. Are you really- and, and sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but no, he, no he scored a wonderful goal today, brilliant exactly. goal. Exactly, and it's good to see, you know, not just as an like, Iranian football fan, but just to see how Asian players are doing and representing basically the continent. Yuli, uh, the, before we get into just of things and talking about uh, Iranian football, I know you worked with Reza Fazili and stuff like that. I just wanted to get your perspective from a journalist's perspective on Hello? how pretty much the clubs in the Bundesliga, they look at the Asian market. Because um, as you know, it's pretty much the Korean players and Japanese players. Germany is pretty much a second home. or For some of them, could be their, actually their main home uh, compared to the J-League and the K-League. Um, so basically, from your own perspective, is it just necessarily because you know, the clubs rate them, or is it just because of another cultural thing, um, basically from your experience working with the Bundesliga clubs and whatnot? Well, yeah, it's a combina- as always, you know, it's a combination of many things. Um, I think two years ago, um, 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 I did a little bit of work for 442 Magazine, you know, because 442 Asia, they, they had a list of the best Asian footballers, and I, they asked me, I mean, Back then, I think it was two years ago, Hoang Min San, uh, the Korean, he was still in Leverkusen, he won, so I went there and, you know, gave him the trophy and I talked to him. And it turned out that um, almost one-fifth of all the players who made that list of best Asian footballers uh, were playing in, Bund- in the Bundesliga. So, um, yeah, you're right. This is, uh, it, it's for many players, it's a very, it, it's one of their favorite destinations. 
Um, and there's many reasons for that. Um, I think for most, most, I think, well, of course, there's you know there, there's a big difference between players from Iran and Japan, exactly. or, or, or China or, or Korea or whatever. But I think, especially for most players from Japan, they see it as a perfect place to to go to Europe, you know, to adapt. Um, you know, the culture and and the climate will will, will be uh, good for them. And and then from Germany, they try to go to well, probably the um, England or Spain, maybe. Well, not Spain really, but England mainly. Yuli, the next question I have for you is obviously, as you know, this part pretty much circulates around over Iranian football. We're just trying to give more awareness because outside of the country, Iranian football barely gets any cover. I know it's. I was very interested to know that you even have worked with a pretty much a big time agent, not just for like Iranian people that know about him, but in the world of football, Reza Fazli, which he has a lot of German yeah. players as well. And oh yeah, Mesut Özil. You yeah, know, he was like, Mesut Özil's agent exactly. for a while. I think even Emre Chan right now that plays for Liverpool is also one of his players. So he's a pretty, uh, yeah. pretty well-known name. What did? You, how was that? I know you worked for him and stuff. How was that relationship? Because he's brought pretty much a lot of the players right now that are even playing for the national team are under his helm. As yeah, you know, and um, I'm just really curious to know how. What what was his? Pers- how was working with him? Uh, how did he view football? Because um, right now even Ashkan Dejaga, that I still believe is his player. Unfortunately, um, a fantastic player he was for Wolfsburg. But even recently, he just got injured and he didn't have the best of times there. And right now, he's clubless. So I just want to see how was that working with him, and um, what was he trying to do to bring like players such as Mahdaviki, Ali Karimi, and stuff to the league. Um, first of all, you're you're right um, that Iranian players don't get a lot of coverage um, out, outside of well Iran, obviously, and also outside of Germany because mm-hmm. for some reason. Maybe maybe that's the same reason that has to do with Asian players in general. For some reason, uh, Iranian players have done very well in Germany uh, and were very popular at their clubs. You know, it's not just that they came and played yeah. and you know and, and, and I don't know got their money and then left. But uh, you, you mentioned uh, Ashkan Dejaga, who was a really really big hero for Wolfsburg. You know, when when he came back uh, earlier this year, um, it didn't work out for a number of reasons. But he was really, really, he loved coming back, and the fans loved that he was coming back. Um, lots of players. Mili Manavikia was, was a fan favorite in Hamburg. Um, the, the two first players, and we'll, we'll talk about them in a moment, um, who came to Germany were big stars at Bielefeld. Um, um, good lots, really. Um, Kodadat Azizi, is that how you pronounce his yes, name? Yes, perfectly uh, said. You just said uh, raining. <laughs> Yes, they loved him at Cologne because he stayed even when they went down and he played in the second Bundesliga. So for some reason, um, there were quite a few players and um, they were really loved by the fans. Maybe it has to do with the fact that, uh, I, don't know, I don't really know why this is the case, but um, um, there's almost 150,000 people with Iranian background living in Germany. And I think that's the highest number in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of, you know, when I grew up um, in, in, my, in my little town, uh, I, I went to an Iranian doctor, <laughs> you know, because um, lots of lots of Iranian doctors were in Germany. I don't know why that was the case, but um, um, we, we just have a long history here in Germany of, you know, living together with players, from, with people from Iran. Mm-hmm. So maybe that made it a bit easier for, for those players. Mm-hmm. Um and the other thing, of course, is you mentioned Reza Fazeli, the agent. I, I, I just sometimes, you know, just somebody has to lead the way. You know, somebody has to be the first, and then 
everybody else follows. Um, you know, you know, we, we, when I started, you know, the first question was about Asian players in general, yeah. and it was just that Yasuhiko Okudera, you know, was the first Japanese in Europe, and he came to Germany. And ever since, that sort of, you know, this has an avalanche effect, because for many, you know, just, just one little thing, I, you know, I don't want to talk for like two hours here, but just one little thing, that when Okudora came to Cologne, he played together with a, a player called Thomas Krohn, and he also, of course, he got to know all those Cologne legends like Pierre Lebaski. And then when Okudera went back to Japan, you know, there was this connection between Cologne and Japan. So Thomas Crowd became, when he became an agent, he was very much interested in the Japanese market. You know, he is, well, in the end, he was the one who brought Shinji Kagawa to, to, to Germany. Like, and then Pierre Lepaski went to Japan and played there and coached and everything. So you have these connections, but somebody has to establish them. And, and maybe it was really when, um, when I think it was in 97, when, when all of a sudden, almost, um, three players came, you know, and it was Ali Day and um, Karim Bagheri. Mm-hmm. They, they they went to Bielefeld, <coughs> and I've already mentioned the third one, which was Kodadara Sisi, who um, who actually. <coughs> funny thing is that I know him, well, not personally, but I know him because, um, as I said, my club is Dortmund. Right. I come from Dortmund. <coughs> I'm sorry, and he actually <coughs> sorry, and he actually had a trial in '97 with Borussia Dortmund. And um, Interesting. he was quite, I think he had one Asian player of the year, was that? I'm not quite sure, but I think that was the year. <clears throat> so, um, um, so people knew about him and he was, well, he was good enough to, you know, Dortmund were Champions League winners at that time. So he had a trial at Dortmund and as, I, I, as, as far as I remember, the only reason he didn't join Dortmund was that he, uh, that he played in the hole behind the strikers, you know, as a sort of a number 10 player. Yes. And that was, that was the one position where Dortmund had too many people already. So anyway, then he joined Cologne for quite a lot of money, I think. So, and, and from that point on, and all three, you know, did fairly well. Actually, they did it quite good. You know, um, Ali Day is still a big hero in Bielefeld. And like I said, Kodadara Sisi is, you know, people like him in Cologne. So maybe that just opened the gates, you know, and, and then other clubs start looking for those players and so on. Yuli, the next question I have for you is, let's look at pretty much... Um, you know, clubs in the Bundesliga. It's interesting, you know, I know, I'm pretty sure you know by now, or I don't know if you've been watching, you know, Iran, uh, we just qualified for the World Cup. And it's interesting with what Carlos Kairos has done. He's pretty much telling these players that you need to leave the country to even get a chance. And a lot of players that you would never expect to leave Iran are actually doing it uh, to, you know, to get that call up. And so I just wanted to know that, you know, with the base of the World Cup that is going to be happening this summer, does the German clubs right now, do they specifically look at Iran as like a potential, you know, destination they could, they could recruit these players? Because if we look at the early 2000 match that Iran played versus Germany, um, the way, you know, Ali Karimi, you know, he lured past the German players. So I think that was a big reason why that German, um, you know, Bayern Munich was pretty attracted to him. And that's always a big reason why that he got recruited. Is there such a thing that instead of looking at Japanese players and Korean players that Bundesliga can specifically look at um, Iranian players right now with the way everything is going for Iran? <clears throat> well, funnily enough, I well, you mentioned that I sort of worked together with Reza Fazeli. Mm-hmm. Is that how you pronounce it? That's yes. how, how we pronounce it in Germany, Reza Fazeli. Yes. He was, um, I think he brought Ali Karimi 
to to Germany. I'm, um, I'm pretty sure. I'm. I, I don't want to. Maybe as a you know, even as a match agent, but a lot of those players like Mahdavikia, um, Hashemian was all through his recruit guys. I believe yeah. he was the first ever Iranian agent um, outside yeah. of Iran to bring these players. He was pretty much, as you said, the first ever present uh, person to be the motivating factor as an, as someone that within football you know, as a license to bring these players in. Yeah. And I think he was a big reason why Ali Karimi came to uh, yeah. Bayern Munich. Very, very probably, because, like I said, I sort of worked with him. I mean, I worked for a company that, well, I ran the editorial department of a company that produced, among other things, websites for players. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we would work together with the players and they would tell us what sort of content they wanted on the page and we would do columns with them and everything. And this usually works through the agents, you know. It was usually an agent would call us and say, "Would you do a, you know, would you be interested in doing a homepage, a website for, I don't know, Michael Balak or Basin Schweinsteiger, whoever." And then when you when you have a contact with an agent, you know, you normally also get his other his other players. So and we and we had Vahid Hashemian. No, not Hashemian. I'm sorry, we had um, Madavikia. Yeah, definitely had Midi. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so and then we also had we did Ala Karimi's website. Um, but it was not, you know, it was not as if, you know, Reza Fazeli, um, you know, was, was trying to sell the player around, you know, because he was a very, very famous man, Ali Karimi. Not quite as famous in Europe as he was in Asia, you know, yeah. but, but people knew who he was. And I think, I'm, I'm fairly sure that Felix Magat was the Bayern coach at the time. Yes. Yeah. And he definitely wanted him, which sort of was bidding, that was bit of an odd choice in a way because I think he was not a typically Felix Magath player, you know. Yeah, Ali Karimi had a lot of flair and he would, you know, technically very good and it was not sort of, you know, not sort of the, how would you call it, you know, the, the guy who runs all day, you know, that, that sort of player that Magath norm normally likes. But anyway, um, uh, he wanted the player and, and I think Karimi did very well in his first year. And then he got injured and then, you know, as sometimes happens as, as at Bayern Munich when all sorts of problems come up. Um, so I think, well, well, like I said, I think his first year was very good. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that we haven't had more Iranian players since then, because like yeah. I said, there, there were actually quite a few, uh, you know, um, there was Vait Hashemian, um, um, then we also had, I think there was a player called Feridon Zandi. I think yes, it was even German-born, who later played for Iran. Yes. And there, were, there was a time when there were, I think, five or six players in the Bundesliga. And maybe this will come back because, you know, this has been an insane transfer summer. And um, um, I think Bundesliga clubs, um, now this is going to be, well, I don't, I don't want to talk for too long and make this too complicated mm -hmm. but there is a structural disadvantage in Germany because Bundesliga clubs just don't have the sort of money that clubs in Italy and, and Spain and especially in England have for, for many reasons mainly because you know we don't have uh, owners you know we don't have uh, our clubs are not owned by rich businessmen or by companies um, so that means there are certain players where German clubs will no longer be able to compete, you know, in the transfer market for them. Mm -hmm. And this means that Bundesliga clubs will have, you know, one thing is always that they produce their own talent. And, you know, there was a time where we were not good at that, but now we're pretty good at that. So there's a lot of young players coming through are very good. But clubs will also have to look elsewhere, you know. They will have to look in places where, you know, the Chelsea's and the Manchester United's are not looking for players. 
So maybe in the future, um, there will be some more players from Iran again in the Bundesliga. So would you say that there's actually still a market outlook for these players potentially that, you know, the club sends scouts and stuff, well, even East Asia or West Asia, as a potential to bring these players in? Because um, it's interesting enough is when, we, when we're looking at it is as from an outside perspective, is that's when we were asking you, Yuli, it, yeah. would you still think that there's a potential chance that right now with Iran qualifying, you know, Japan and South Korea consistently qualifying for World Cup, there's going to be like a bigger market outlook to, you know, look at Iranian football again? Um, yes, I think so. Like I said, yes, I think there could be a future for players from Iran and Germany. Mm-hmm. But it's also that, and I know it's, you know, I, I still think it's still the case that when a Bundesliga club decides to scout Asian players, you know, Iran is not the first thing that he thinks of, you know? Yeah. It's, um, um, it's also that, I mean, uh, internationalization is a big buzzword here in Germany. You know, all the clubs are trying to get a foothold on the Asian market. Uh, and, you know, lots of clubs now have offices in Asia. But... When they say that, and when they do that, and when they open an office, it's always you know in in uh, in Singapore or Japan or China now you know. So I think this is still uh, for for many clubs the first thing they think of when they think of Asia. But then again, I think as it was the case in well in the mid nineties, which was you know only twenty years ago, that I think just just somebody has to come and do it, and then it's almost you know football is often. It happens that things happen almost as if there's a trend, you know. Uh, uh, and then somebody does that, and now everybody says, "Oh, let, let's look at some of those Iranian players. They're really good." And then you know, and other clubs copy you. Um, yeah. So I think that that has to happen. Somebody has to lead the way again, like Ali Day did in the, in the exactly. mid nineties. You know, so speaking of leading the way, I don't know if you know this, really, but Vahid Hashemian and. Um Mehdi and Mataviki are getting their pretty much their coaching badges through Hamburg. Um, I don't exactly. I don't know exactly which age levels, but they're trying to become potentially, you know, a coach down the line, whether yeah. in the club for Iran or maybe a club in um, Germany or where else. And that's another thing that everybody in Iran is talking about: is how come you know they don't come? And one of the big reasons says that the coaching badges in Iran and stuff and the clubs over there are pretty corrupted and whatnot. But have you? Did you ever personally? By any chance, work with any of these players um, to get a you know perspective from their viewpoint. Um, no, well, I've worked with them in the way that you know that we did the websites, mm-hmm. and um, like I said, mainly Mehdi Madavikia. I think I spoke to him on the phone a couple of times, but not you know I didn't work so closely with him that I could tell you uh, you know sort of, sort of what his plans for the future right. are right. Or, or what he's looking at, but. Um, the one thing that you said, of course, it's a quite that would be quite an important step if some of those um, players who played in Germany. I mean, Ali Karimi became the national coach, you know, a couple of years after he left Germany. Um, but um, um, it would be good if some of those people who have connections um, become coaches. Uh, of course, preferably in, in Iran, you know, or somebody else in Asia, because they would then, you know, if, if they have find a talent if they spot a promising players or have them in their team you know what often happens is that such coaches will then phone somebody they know in a bigger league and say uh listen i've got a player here you, you've got to look at him you know i think mm-hmm. he's too big for this league maybe he should be playing in the bundesliga or somewhere else 
so so that would certainly be a good good thing for um, if, if um, Media and, and Bahi did indeed become coaches. Yuli, the next question we have for you is obviously Alexander Nuri. Um, you know, yeah. he's doing a decent job, as I would like to say, and he recently was in Iran, and, you know, they had just had an interview with him, and obviously he's not going to directly and say that he's interested that one day he could coach Iran, but he basically said his options are open, even though he's still very young, and I think that maybe down the road we could potentially see him as the head coach of the reigning national team. What? How do you rate him, and what's people's perspective, you know, journalists or, you know, the pundits or whatever, on him right now? Yeah, it was a bit of a surprise that he got the job, mm-hmm. um, because Bremen were in a very difficult situation when they promoted him to, to the first-team coach. Then again, Bremen are the sort of club who do that, you know? Um, um, it's, you know, they're sort of... The, the big rivals are Hamburg, and and like Hamburg, they used to be a really Bremen. Hamburg used to be really big clubs, and they're now struggling. Um, but they do things very differently. Whereas Hamburg, usually when when they are problems, you know, when they, when they are facing relegation, they look for a big name coach, you know, somebody who's got a lot of experience at, at saving clubs, you know. And then Bremen don't normally do that. So um, I think that, that, that he was a bit lucky in a way. He was at the right club, you know. I don't think that. For instance, if he had been at Hamburg, and Hamburg had been in that situation, I don't think they would have promoted him. They would have gone for you know one of one of those famous coaches who have a reputation for for saving clubs. But he, he did that. He he got his chance and he grabbed it and he did well. Um, um, so yes, I, I think um, he's done a good job um, in a very very difficult situation uh, and. What, what people sometimes tend to forget is, is also in Germany, you know, is yes. that they always expect Bremen to be, you know, like in the, in the first half of the table, you know, maybe even challenge for Europe. But it's been a long time since Bremen were a top club. and They don't have a lot of money. The squad is not very deep. Um, so I, th- I think with what he's got, he's doing a really good job. Now, whether he, you know, could potentially be a candidate for Iranian national coach, I, I, I can't tell. You know, I have no idea. Um, then again, what, what, you know, we started out the interview by, by saying that, um, you know, why are there so many Asians? And, and so saying that it has to do with history. Mm-hmm. And it was not just, you know, that people like uh, Okudera came to Germany. It was even before that, um, like Detmar Kramer, who's a famous German coach, who's often referred to as the father of Japanese football because he went to Japan as early as the 1960s to coach there. And that is another thing that many German coaches have done over the years. Uh, Not necessarily the top-level coaches, but um, the ones below that maybe. Um, A lot of German coaches have gone out and, and, you know, and and spread the word and and, and, and spread the game and and trained in all corners of the globe. so that's also a tradition that we have, you know, in, in as as German coaches, that our coaches often go, you know, go and coach somewhere else. Um, so, so I wouldn't put it beyond him doing that. Yuli, before we want to wrap this up, we really appreciate your time. Is I don't know if you've actually been watching um, Iran under Carlos Kairos or anything, but the question that we wanted to ask you is that. Would you say that there potentially could be, you know, with the World Cup and everything, that more scouts 
basically off of this World Cup, we'll be looking at, you know, not just Iran right now, especially now Saudi Arabia that qualified. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, more into that field. More not East Asia, more Yeah, West. it was, sorry, sorry if I interrupt you, but it no. was, um, um, you know, there's lots of really good teams now in Asia. I mean, yeah. the funny thing is that, you know, the Australian national team, um, they desperately wanted, you know, to, to join the Asian Federation, uh, you know, because um, they thought it would make it easier for them to exactly. qualify for the World Cup. And, and, and now, it's, now it could be, <laughs> now it's the same all over again, you know, they, they're not qualified directly. Now they've got to go through playoffs again. Um, so the fact that Australia, um, with quite a few players that we know in Germany are, are struggling, you know, in the Asian Federation. Mm-hmm. Um, it just sends out a strong signal. There's good players there, and that maybe people should take more interest in, uh, you know, in in, uh, in those national teams. But of course, so, sorry. Uh, yes, the World Cup is, is of course that. I mean, the, the, the strange thing is that you know football has become so international now, yes. and you you can virtually watch everybody on the internet. You can you can scout people online. You know, there's databases with tons of statistics. So still, there, there should be no really good player who you know who's who's not who people don't know. You know, who's not scouted. And still, and still, it's it's the case that the World Cup is just the big stage. You know, if you come to the World Cup and, and then and can present what you can do and, and and your class and your quality, then this is really the, the biggest advertisement. <clears throat> you can have, I mean, it would be. I can can't remember when was the last time I saw a complete game from Iran. I, I can't even remember. Looking at Borussia Dortmund, we know you're a season ticket holder, huge fanatic, <laughs> and everything. The way they recruit young kids and look at look at Christian Pulisic, is just turning out to be a superstar, not just uh-huh. for American fans, but on a global scale. And the hype is actually unreal for this kid because he deserves it. How do they go about recruiting these people from such a young age? Um, one of the things that... Um, okay, you, you probably... You maybe maybe have followed Dortmund's last season mm-hmm. when um, they did really well in the Bundesliga. <laughs> they won the cup and then they sacked their coach. Yes. And you know there was a, there was a big shock for everybody, you know. And most people outside of Dortmund could not really understand why the club, um, you know, was sacking a, a manager who's very much in demand now. You know, he's linked with Bayern Munich, and I'm speaking about Thomas Tuchel, of course. And um, why they would do that. But one of the things was that um, one of the first signs that something was wrong was almost was lots of, many months before he was actually set. Sacked, sorry, um, was that uh, the news spread that he didn't see eye to eye with Dortmund's chief scout. That's a man called Sven Mislintat. And for some reason, I mean, they both the, the two are quite similar. You know, they're quite about the same age. They almost look like each other. They <laughs> they both have this idea of you know sort of. Pep Guardiola, Barcelona football. They want to work with young players. But there was some, just some problems between them as people. I don't know. Uh, and it was, it got so bad that Thomas Tuchel actually barred him, Sven Mislintat, the chief scout, from, from the training complex, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and still, the club, you know, normally in such a situation, the club would probably sack the scout. 
you know if there's such a problem between two people you just one normally has to go but instead they even promoted him you know and that was about, that was like i said about i think it was about 10 months before Tuchel was sacked and that was a clear sign that a something was wrong and also and i'm sorry this is a long winded answer but i'm coming to the point now no, but they rate the chief scout Sven Lissenentad they actually rate him more highly mm-hmm. than the than the general manager oh, Thomas wow. Tuchel uh, so Sven Mislintat is is one big reason. He's you know he's not a wizard. Some people just say that you know he's I don't know he's a gold digger and he's and fine. <laughs> but you know it's not like Pulisic, for instance. You know it's not like he came from nowhere. You know mm-hmm. um, or Usman Dembélé. You know when Dortmund signed him mm-hmm. and then sold him on to Barcelona. It's not like people didn't know about these players. You know they were not flying under the radar. But what is maybe more probably more astonishing than actually finding those talented players is that it's, it's been quite a really long time since Dortmund signed a player who did not perform for them, if you know what I mean. Normally, when you sign a player, success. sometimes something goes wrong. You, know, you, you, you don't like the coach or I don't, whatever, or you're just wrong for the system or for the team or whatever. But it's been quite a long time. The, the last one was probably Serie Mobile, you know, was, and he was a top yes. goal scorer in Serie A. Um, that, that Dortmund signed a player who did not perform very well. So that's quite astonishing. So Sven Mislintat is really, really good, not just at targeting a player, saying, you know, this is a good player, but also at, at, at realizing that he will fit with the team. You know, he will, he's good for the club and he will, you know, he will just, he will settle in and, yeah. Sorry, it was, it was another very long answer. Oh, no, but you're right about Pulisic. I've done yeah. quite a few interviews with, with American radio stations and websites, you know. And they are really, not not unlike maybe Iran or some other countries, they are yeah. really waiting for one big player to break through and become really a world-class player, you know, because they think that's sort of what's missing from American football, you know, to have one, you know, one figurehead, one, one star player that everybody can look, can look up to. And they always wanted to know if Pulisic can finally become this player. And as as you just said, my reply is normally yes. He is really, uh, you know, of course that's no guarantee, but he's really as as good as as people say he is. Yuli, we appreciate your time um, so much. I've been reading your book right now on you know Bayern Munich, you know how to turn into a global star. And we just want to thank you so much for your time. And hopefully, if somehow Iran does end up playing Germany in the World Cup, which I don't know how that turned <laughs> out, you will definitely want you on as a panelist. So. Okay. Okay, well, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.